Welcome to Insight Flicks. This is a movie discussion podcast created by three brothers. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. Uh, for those who don't know, we try to get together on a weekly basis to talk about the movies. Sometimes we talk about the television shows that we watched in the past week. But in this episode, we're going to discuss the much-talked-about drama, Cherry, from the Russo Brothers, starring Tom Holland. This is now exclusively available on Apple TV+. It was released a couple weeks ago in theaters. Now it's on Apple TV+. That's where we saw it. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of the things we saw, which I, I, I saw Kid 90, a documentary on Hulu. And I think Raymond saw Yesterday on Netflix. But and I, uh, re- I refuse to watch that. <laughs> and uh, But before we go into that, let's, let's talk about James Cameron's uh, Avatar. And Avatar has reclaimed the box office title of being the top grossing movie of all time. And apparently it was re-released in theaters in China and now edges out Marvel's Avengers Endgame into second place. And that movie is now second is now the second top grossing movie of all time. Twitter is a buzz with this information. People hate the idea that Avatar is back on top. <laughs> uh, what's your just real quick? What's your guys thoughts on Avatar taking the top spot back? Uh, well, they're obviously going to re-release, re-release the first one anyway in the U.S. I mean, once the uh, the sequels are finally done, so it's to be expected that they'll be re-release it. This is, yeah, it's common. It's a common game that these studios play. I mean, this is actually the same studio. Fox is now belongs Disney, to yeah. Disney. But they used to do this with uh, E.T. and Star Wars. I remember that both filmmakers, uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, would congratulate the, each other you know it's a thing they used to do I, I maybe this is a way to like kind of build some kind of positive press about the theaters back going back into business trying to drum up some support of this theater business w- what's your thoughts raymond um congratulations james cameron <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, well, I bring this up because I, over the weekend I was reading these stories on Twitter and I found two really kind of old stories that kind of reemerged. And it, it, uh, I never heard these stories before, but I thought they were absolutely fascinating. Uh, let me start with the, the, this first story about how Cameron, James Cameron, pitched aliens to a studio. And someone, I, I mean, look, I don't know if this is true. This could be totally BS, but this is a quote that someone tweeted out and seems like it's come, it comes from a magazine or it comes from a book or some kind or maybe a autobiographical book, maybe. But it seems like this is a quote from a studio head at Fox. And this is the quote. James Cameron was young. He just directed Terminator. And Cameron had called a meeting to discuss his quote unquote next project. Everyone knew Cameron had written a treatment for Aliens 2 that no one wanted to touch because Alien was not a massive financial success. Oh, I really said I didn't I wasn't aware of that. Alien 2 was not on the table. We expected a professional pitch from Cameron and outline a treatment of what he had in mind with a cursory budget. Perhaps a couple of assistants would run in with a slideshow. Instead, Cameron walked into the room without much as a piece of paper. He went to the chalkboard in the room and simply wrote the words alien. And then he added an S to, to make aliens. And then he dramatically drew two vertical lines through the S that says aliens with the dollar sign. 
And he t- and he turned around and he grinned. And we greenlit the project that day for eighteen million dollars. Now that was a quote. Eighteen million. That's what this. This is the quote. What the quote says. Now I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is just a, some kind of legend, but I thought that was just a funny story that he just, and it sounds like Cameron, right? It sounds like he's, you know, he's full of, uh, of, of ego and bluster. Yeah, it, at that point, what's he got to lose? I mean, he was just a successful sequel writer with Rambo or whatever. And uh, uh, did, was that um, Terminator he was like considered a, just, you know, luck, uh, a luck, yeah, movie, like yeah. I mean, yeah. Was, so he he wasn't um already um you know stamped with the you know give this man whatever he wants right you know he wasn't you know and he famously wrote you know uh R- Rambo two yeah that's why I said Al- Rambo yeah he famously wrote, wrote Rambo two and Aliens two at the same time and mm-hmm. I I think from what I remember he he had two desks in his studio he had a desk for with all the alien stuff. And he had the other desk with the Rambo stuff. And when he would get tired writing one screenplay, he would go to the next desk and write the other screenplay. And, yeah. you know, if you think about it, Alien 2 or Aliens and Rambo 2 are, you know, they're both military and they both have these kind of jargon. And so it makes sense that he was writing these two stories at the same time. It's, a, you know, anyway, this is the fact that he, you know, walked in the room and just wrote Aliens on the shockboard and then put a dollar sign. It just feels like James Cameron, something that he would do. And another story that came out over the weekend, and I guess this is another old story, and this is actually has facts back backing it up. Now, I never heard this story, but th- apparently during the making of Titanic, uh, during, I guess, a rap uh, party, someone uh, – <laughs> this is so strange. I never heard the story. Someone uh, poisoned the the lobster chowder during the, during a rap party. And so 80 people from the crew got extremely sick and they spiked it with PCP. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is, and this is, uh, this is true. This is a fact. And J- James Cameron was affected by this. And he had, uh, <laughs> apparently he, uh, everyone was like just tripping out, just crying. Some people were crying. Some were throwing up. They were like freaking out. So uh, James Cameron, he, he knew something was up, and he he forced he went to the bathroom and just threw up, forced himself to throw up, and that helped. Bill Paxton was a part of this as well, and apparently Gloria Stewart was in in the in the Jesus. In, but she uh, luckily she didn't eat the clam chowder or the the lobster chowder. I I never heard you ever heard the story, Rich? No, no, of course not. I mean. That that would kill someone, especially Gloria Stewart. I yeah, mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a horrible story. This is now now Bill Paxton actually talked about it on the Larry King show, and here let me play this for you. Did you eat any of the PCP spike clam chowder from the set of Titanic? And did they ever catch the person responsible? Yeah, that's kind of a crazy story. Uh, I remember I shot the first couple weeks of Titanic. What what Jim did, he had us. He had me and Gloria Stewart and Susie Amos. We were all up in um, Halifax, Nova Scotia. We were shooting on the Keldish, which is the Russian research vessel that had the two Mir subs that Jim had taken down to Titanic to shoot some footage that he used in the film. While we were shooting that, they were building the big set down in Rosarita Beach. 
uh, one night we it was we were shooting splits. We would go in around five o'clock, and so we would take our dinner at midnight, and then we'd work till dawn. And uh, I didn't care for the caterer much, so I was ordering my meals in, but I was having a good conversation with Jim Cameron on the set. And I said, Jim, are you going to eat off the truck tonight? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'll join you. So we ladled up the clam chowder, not knowing it was laced with PCP. And uh, I don't know who did it or why, but I remember going back to my trailer after lunch, and Jim went up to his office. And uh, I heard a commotion, and I opened up my door, and I saw a couple of ambulances pulling in, and, and then an AD ran up and said, uh, are you feeling okay? And I was like, well, I, I think I'm, you know, I'm shooting all night. I'm feeling about as good as you can feel. And he said, well, did you eat the clam chowder? <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, I had a couple of bowls. And, uh, and about that time, I started feeling it. Now I'm starting to witness some bizarre behavior with the crew and stuff. <laughs> And, and they take us very close by. We were on the Dartmouth side of Halifax Bay. And uh, so all of a sudden, here's 150 crew members stumbling into the emergency room of a very small hospital at 1 o'clock in the morning. You see some people are freaking out. Some people are Congo dancing. Some people are, are euphoric. I, I knew I was pretty stoned on something pretty bad. And I thought, we, me and Jim thought that it was, there was a neurotoxin in the clams. We didn't know what it was. We thought maybe the clams had been left out in the sun or whatever. But I figured, while well, they examine all these other hundred people, I said to Jim, I said, Jim, I'm, I'm not going to hang out here. This is bedlam. I'm going to go, I'm going to wander. Because it was only a few blocks from the set. I'm going to wander back down and just drink a case of beer, which is what I did. <laughs> that, seemed to, that seemed to help me. Hey guys, Larry here. <laughs> that was uh, a that's a clip from Larry King. The rest in peace, Larry King, and rest in peace of uh, Bill Paxson. But what a, a strange story that I never. I mean, I never heard that story before, and I I, I thought that was very interesting. The fact that uh, they came out this weekend because of uh, Avatar taking the top spot. I just wanted to point that's that weird. out. <laughs> it was strange, right? That's uh, weird that 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 this made that that story have a resurgence <laughs> yeah. i'm surprised you've missed this one for so long this is a pretty it's gotta be like a top 10 crazy <laughs> stories right it ever happened in a big movie studio set yeah i had i i was i'm shocked yeah I'm, i was shocked that i never heard this story too but uh yeah so fascinating stuff um so let's get into what we watched this week uh raymond let's start with you with yes um yeah, Netflix's. Yesterday, this is a family movie that stars uh, Jennifer Gardner and Edgar Ramirez. I guess they're parents. And yeah, uh, they... uh, yeah. So I'll I'll just go. For, okay, I'll, okay. I'll take it from here. Okay, so yeah, ba basically, um, I didn't even know about this movie's existence. We were just talking about like what <laughs> last week when we were talking about what we were gonna do for this week's episode. We were going through the list of what comes out this week, mm -hmm. and there wasn't much. There wasn't that much. It was just Cherry, and we're like, okay, we're well, we're definitely going to watch Cherry. And then we saw Yesterday, and I was all of you guys were like, oh no way. I'm like, oh <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to review that a hundred percent. And uh, all I did was saw I saw online a picture of like. Uh, you know Jennifer Gardner and Edgar Ramirez, you know, dressed like idiots with, a, with, with their children, and uh, I was like, oh, "This is this is probably going to be a terrible film." And um, watching the movie, um, yeah, I mean, it's basically an Adam Sandler Netflix movie, but with Edgar Ramirez. 
And if you're wondering if, like, if there's anything redeemable for Ed Edgar in this, because, like, Edgar's, like, a, a great actor, you know, before, you know, transitioning to, uh, I guess, American films, he he was a very acclaimed uh, acc acclaimed actor, and then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened with his his agent over here, but, I mean, <laughs> his, his the roles haven't really uh planned that panned out for him well i i but, uh, yeah i would say that this 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 kind of role for him would have been uh a better for his career i mean if he could pull it off as being a you know a, a comedic role a family man oh yeah 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 i mean like what, what's what do what you know him from like i remember him from joy and i remember him from what else but small parts i mean in in, in big movies but never i mean i think the 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 first one no i'm not e i'm not even sure if that was him <laughs> the uh, was he a Born Identity movie too? Yeah. Point Break. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, Domino. Yeah, he was Domino. Okay. Oh yeah, right, right. Domino. Yeah, he was in Domino. Yeah, that's he was a third lead. That's one of his one. first American movies, I think. Yeah, it was uh, Mickey Rourke, uh, Keira Knightley, and him. Yeah, I've kind of fallen off on what he's been doing because he because I feel like ever since like Carlos, you know, the Carlos miniseries that he mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. I feel like ever since then, like all of the roles he's had ha have been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, seeing he was kind of like the main, my, one of my main draws to this movie, like see how he does in this film. Mm -hmm. And if this, if this gives you an, an idea in the first two minutes of the movie, he gets pissed on by a baby. <laughs> and within the first, within the first five minutes of the movie, we see him twerking. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, it's a family comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, he's also in jungle cruise so we'll see what what he does in there well but uh yeah in the, the movie's uh directed by uh miguel arteta who's a puerto rican uh filmmaker i'm pretty sure he was probably a big part of the reason why edgar mm -hmm. uh did the movie and uh miguel you know he was known for, for doing a bunch of indie films a lot of indie comedies and this past decade He's been slowly transitioning to big studio comedies. He did a, a movie for Disney like about five years ago called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Oh, and this is something very along the along you know along the line of that. Mm -hmm. It's another kind of uh, Disney movie, but this time for Netflix. Uh, last year he did the Tiffany Haddish uh, movie Like a Boss, <laughs> and I will say, yes, Day is better than that movie. <laughs> it's better than Like a Boss. And um, the thing about yesterday, it's 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 just, it's a strange movie because it feels it feels very dated in many ways. It feels like a movie that we don't really see anymore because it's got one of those plot lines where, well, the movie starts off. You meet you, there's this couple, you know, Jennifer Gardner, Eddie Ramirez. You you see their whole relationship. You see them uh, have kids, and as as they as they age over the years. And basically, the whole plot of the movie is, you know, dad's always working off at work. And, you know, whenever he's at home, you know, the little that he is at home, the kids absolutely love him. And, you know, mom feels neglected. She feels like, the, you know, the kids don't respect her the way that they respect dad because she's the only one giving orders. And I'm like, man, I remember when I was a little kid, we used to get movies with that plot line all the time. <laughs> and I feel that that really kind of disappeared because we'd always see in movies now like, mom works dad works and you know uh i don't know I, I feel like the whole you know mom's kind of you know jealous of dad type of thing i don't know i uh, do we see movies like that anymore 
No, I, I, I don't. Remember. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm not trying to look for these type of movies, but I don't. Yeah, it does feel like a very '90s kind of a or early 2000 type of uh, family movie or family comedy. Yeah. So, like, uh, like I mean, so, but whatever, you know. I go with it. I, I, I understand what those movies are trying to do. So, uh, I'm going along with the plot. I'm going along with the with the movies with what the movies doing, mm-hmm. but um, at a certain point, Jennifer Gardner's character finds out about this yes day thing, which is basically like uh, you know a, a day where the kids can give any order they want, and the parents have to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, as soon as the day began, the the I, I started to get really kind of pissed off <laughs> because. The kids, you know, they they kind of demand that you know dad participate, <laughs> so dad misses out on work, and I'm just kind of thinking to myself, this guy is like paying for everything, you know, this guy, <laughs> he's paying for this house that everyone's living in, and they're making him miss work, and Jennifer Gardner's character is like forcing him, like it's it's your work or our family, and I'm just like, how irresponsible is this character, like how. Like, I don't understand this character's priorities. And as the movie kept going, her character just makes questionable decision after questionable decision. And, and I mean, in the beginning of the movie, I was completely on board with her. But it's just like when she's putting like her priorities over like the families and it, it's it's very bizarre. And it just made me start to think about like Jennifer Gardner in real life <laughs> and kind of how... <laughs> Kind of how, you know, how Ke- Kevin Smith and Ben Affleck were, you know, best friends. <laughs> and then, you know, Jennifer Gardner gets gets in the middle of it. She was like, you know, Ben, ben, ben I don't want you, you know, working with Kevin Smith anymore. He's got a potty mouth. <laughs> and it's like, what kind of role model is Ben Affleck? And you're not going to let him hang out with Kevin <laughs> Smith? I don't know. I just, Jennifer Gardner has very questionable priorities, I guess. I mean, she's obviously a good person. She means well like her character in this movie <laughs> but i i don't know i couldn't get on board with her and the whole movie i just i kept thinking of jennifer Gardner in real life you weren't able to uh, separate the two the the fictional character hey, in, and the in that regard it's perfect casting oh. <laughs> but you know but to give to give the movie some credit you know i do think the uh, the director i do think he actually does a really good job like this, like I was saying earlier in the film, and earlier in the review, this is essentially an Adam Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. And like, whenever you watch one of these Adam Sandler movies, whenever they have you know the the emotional moment, mm-hmm. it always feels forced. It doesn't work. And this one, it still feels forced because of the way the movie's written. But it it at least is effective. You know, I mean, you know, a, a good director like uh, like Miguel can um, can elevate those scenes but yeah i mean this this is just a an, an average kids movie so it's like a c c minus i guess oh mm. okay so not that bad yeah, it's like a four out of ten well that, i mean that is for for kids c minus is a c minus is a four out of ten right? <laughs> <laughs> okay so but if if you have a family do you think this is a, a good family movie oh yeah i mean I, I, this is the type of movie i would have watched on disney channel when i was like six years old okay mm. okay <laughs> and yeah edgar ramirez was um nominated for um for uh, yesterday <laughs> no 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 for uh, a couple years ago for uh, american crime story where he played uh uh gianni versace 
Oh, I didn't watch that. Yeah, he was very good. And I saw the first two, one or two episodes, and he was very good in that one. Mm. Yeah, so maybe TV is where he's sh- supposed to go. I mean, I'm, not, I'm No, maybe he should just start, you know, making Spanish movies again. You know, I, oh, I, yeah. I, saw, I thought Wasp Network was, was solid. I know I got pretty negative reviews, but I thought Wasp Network was a pretty good movie. Well, well after watching that movie, do you think he's a better choice to play um, uh, Desi Arnaz? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Javier Bardem makes no sense. <laughs> and I love Javier Bardem. He's an incredible actor, but he really makes no sense for that role at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Edgar Ramirez would have actually been perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, all right. So there, that was yesterday. Um, I, saw, I saw a new Hulu original documentary called Kid 90. And this is from former kid actress Soleil Moon Fry, and she's famously known as Punky Brewster. And I guess this is based on like hundreds of hours of footage from her own personal video diaries. And the documentary kind of takes a nostalgic look at the social group of young Hollywood teen stars in the 90s. And uh, Moon Fry kind of recalls her formative years as a young actress stepping into, at this time, she's stepping into adulthood after years of being famous as this, as this uh, child star. And in the movie, she interviews some of her childhood friends from way back when, which includes like former kid actors like Paul or Mark Paul Glossler and uh, Brian Austin Green and uh, David Arquette. Stephen Dorff also appears in this. Uh, Balthazar Getty. I haven't seen that guy for the longest time. He shows up in this. Uh, and yeah, they're, so they're, they just talk about their teen years growing up in Hollywood, working in the show business. They also talk about some of their close friends that who got caught up in the drugs and alcohol and who made bad choices. Uh, let me start by saying that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Soleil Moon Fry. I know her as Punky Brewster. And I remember watching Did you watch sh- the reboot. No, I haven't seen the reboot yet. I, I heard bad things about it, though. It got bad reviews, though. <laughs> Uh, but I do remember watching the original show when I was young, I re- and I remember kind of following her career in the 90s and remembering that she kind of lost, you know, she wasn't able to grow out of that kind of child star label. Although I do I certainly remember her guest appearance in an episode of The Wonder Years, which was kind of notable. And I do remember, like, she famously had, like, a breast reduction. <laughs> like, like that, that was, like, a pretty big deal in the 90s. I mean, like, I, 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 like, I remember kids calling her Punky Boobster, which is something she actually notes in the documentary. Yeah, so I... So I'm the target audience for this, for this <laughs> documentary. I was very eager to watch it. Unfortunately, I just found it to be a little flimsy. Uh, just... Um, a little trivial, you know, because to be honest, the footage in the in the documentary ain't that great. <laughs> it's in crappy condition. All the footage, for whatever reason, is like sk- skipping frames. <laughs> there's, there, there's like a like, you know, the really significant distortion line at the bottom of all this footage. Like like she didn't really take care of this, this, this video fo- tapes. I guess, you know, look, it's videotapes. So, yeah, they're going to deteriorate over time. But, yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she carried this video. Apparently, she carried this video camera around the 90s and she recorded a lot of moments in her life. She recorded a lot of insignificant events in her friend's life. I mean, we see a like a bunch of house parties with young actors who would later become famous, but you know, this is no, there's no big revelation here, other than you know, kids in the '90s they 
they used to drink beer. <laughs> they, 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 they did mushrooms. They lied around the swimming pool. They drove around and they hung out. I mean, that's like, it's like, you know, no big whoop. There's no. But I mean, like, what, what were you expecting? I was really expecting them to talk about uh, their teen years. What was Leonardo DiCaprio like when he was younger? Or what was this person like, you know? Or, you know, I really thought it was going to be more kind of uh, an expose. Yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as an expose, but sure. <laughs> you know? I, uh, I think you wanted a documentary about the... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and his uh, his pussy group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, was, yeah, I definitely definitely wanted to see that. But what are uh, those guys called again? What were those the guys? Pussy posse, the pussy posse. Um, yeah, that's what you wanted. You yeah. wanted a documentary on them, an expose on them. Yeah, there was there. There's actually a series of web movies or web shorts or documentary shorts. I, I forgot who was the. the I want to say Los Angeles Times. They did a whole documentary on the Pussy Posse that came out a couple years ago, which is mm -hmm. great. Which is great, and it's all about how like Tony McGuire, <laughs> how he's like a like a just a shithead, like a big a hole. Mm -hmm. And um, well, you can say asshole. I mean, he said shithead already. <laughs> whatever, whatever. I was trying to. I didn't want. <laughs> but you know, I should mention that there is a moment in this documentary where things get do get serious. Uh, Soleil Moonfry becomes very open about certain a certain awful event in her life. Uh, you know, as she was when she was a impressionable teenager, uh, she was taken advantage of by an older unnamed man. But I think she wasn't she wasn't ready to talk about it. It seems like she she was still processing that event, and I mm -hmm. it made me feel a little awkward <laughs> watching it. So anyway, so I mean, it, so I feel that this maybe this documentary needed a little more time to ferment. You know, at least time for her to like find a purpose other than you know these are my teenage memories and these were my. I think friends. she just wanted to kind of get it out there because of the doc because her series was. Coming I think out. yeah, I think so. I think that's why she pushed it out. But as as the documentary is presented right now, it, it feels like a scrapbook than a documentary. It's just like kind of a. Well, a, I mean, I I I, I, I got to admit, like I haven't heard about this documentary until you just brought it up today during this recording. And right when you mentioned it in the beginning, I mean, that's kind of what I expected. <laughs> just a scrapbook. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it's just stuff that she recorded over the years. I mean, I, it's not there. Like, there's going to be some some great revelations well, she, in there. She <laughs> she was able to get a lot of uh, interviews of her friends. Like I said, David Arquette and uh, um, recent interviews. Yeah, of them now. Well, I mean, David Arquette. <laughs> I'm sure he has a hundred. A hundred uh, I'm sure he has a whole bunch of stories. All these guys must have really great stories, but they 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 don't really explore those stories. They we never learn about how they felt when they were growing up. We just they were just saying a lot of lovely things about you know growing up in the '90s. It was hey, look look, hey, look. It's a, it's it's just an okay documentary. It it seems like Soleil Moon Fry didn't really have a goal in mind. And it, it's mostly yeah. it's mostly like she got to a point in her life where she said to herself, "I either throw away these videotapes away or I do something with with them." So it's either now or never. So I guess the result is that it's a vanity project, and but this could have been like a revealing look at that young Hollywood in the, in the '90s. I feel like maybe she kept uh, the incriminating evidence you know for herself or she threw those away because i'm i i have to believe that she had some you know like damaging video of, of people probably i i have to believe that but i mean soleil moon fry is a warm-hearted person and i don't think she wanted to screw over her friends you know she's not an a-hole so 
Anyway, so it, I like like I was eager to watch it. I wanted to see it. I wanted to see what what she was doing, and 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 um, ultimately, I just was disappointed about the documentary. Yeah, and it's only like an hour and a, an hour and ten, fifteen minutes. I mean, yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, you watched it, Dalton Ridge. <clears throat> I only saw the last twenty minutes, twenty maybe thirty minutes, and uh, from what I saw, it, it looked like it was just a um, scrapbook. Uh, that too, and also like a, a dedication to all her friends that she lost. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She does mention all she, a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah. But that's Hollywood, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you live the life of Hollywood. That's you know. I would give this uh, two stars out of five. I would probably give this like a D plus, oh. a D plus. Whoa. I mean, yeah. I was expecting something really kind of uh, revealing. So you would never go back to this ever again. Oh no 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 no! That's it. I mean, okay, wow. <laughs> once is enough. I mean, I, I don't have to watch it again. I was. It's a like I said, it's okay uh, documentary, and I'm sure people will get a kick out of the nostalgia part of it. Probably. I, I mean, this is getting very mixed reviews, but mm-hmm. I'm sure the people that are loving it are probably yeah the people that you know. Nostalgia, right? I mean, yeah. you grew up with it. I there, think at least people are, are watching this more than the Punky Brewster reboot, right? Oh, I don't know. I I I just know that the Punky Brewster reboot is getting horrible horrible reviews, right? Well, no one's talking about it. Uh, <laughs> maybe this documentary will help. The fact that she is back, so Lane Mufry is back. And the thing, the movie it reminded me of like uh like like wedding videos or in like or you know like. Uh, High school yeah. reunion videos, yeah, graduation like videos, yeah, like the like like the wedding video and Jerry Maguire and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. If the footage was better, I would probably say, yeah, watch this. But the footage is mm. not that great. I mean, it's just like a bunch of insignificant moments in people's lives. There's a party here. There's they're you know they're in the a beach. They're driving down the freeway. It's like really kind of nonsense. And it, I think. Maybe if she had like a, because I think she's the only director in, in this in this project. If she added like a real documentary filmmaker who had like a real kind of point of view and helped helped her shape this good movie, yeah, shape this kind of uh, this, but this that was, story. There probably was at one point, but she, they wanted her to put damaging um, <laughs> damaging stuff in it, and then she was like, you know what, I need to do this myself. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, she is like a sweet person. If you you see the her re- interviews. Yeah, it's probably a two-hour cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, surprisingly, this is produced by Sean Penn, but it's also produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. And I have oh, to- Oh, no wonder. I have to think that- he, Edit, edit, edit. Yeah. He, he, yeah. The, only reason he, the only reason he's on the project is maybe he, he wanted a little bit of control of his image. No, that's 100% <laughs> it. <laughs> because he's like maybe in two shots in the whole documentary. There's a- a quick video of him saying something I, I don't even remember. That's how boring it was. And, yeah, and a couple of, a couple uh, he, photos, but I mean, obviously he she, he manipulated it, <laughs> and he was a bona fide star back then. So you, if there was a camera involved, it, it would be directly on him. Yeah, I just would have loved to see more kind of photos, maybe more photos that would have helped, and and I would have loved to see like the you know. When she interviews her friends, they just have these kind of really simple kind of reactions to the to what the what they lived through, and I would have loved to really delve into what they thought of that time. You know, maybe talk about some of the pain. Most of the interviews are just like rosy colored memories of 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 what they went through. And how um, much was Wahlberg in it? Wahlberg, he's yeah, he's he, supposed to be in the movie. He's like Don, uh, he's like in the, not Donnie. He's like half a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
like he, he's not in it. I mean, he's not. He doesn't do an interview, but he's like. Um, he well, le- he leaves like he leaves a, a a voice message on her phone, and that's it basically. Yeah. Oh, then I saw that part. Oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, I thought that, there was more in the beginning. Oh well. That's it. It's available now on Hulu, so you can watch it now. And if you're into some, you know, if you're very much into nostalgia, yeah, maybe this is and '90s nostalgia. Maybe this is it for you. Uh, but for me, this is uh, kind of uh, uh, an okay. Let yeah, let down. All right. Rich, did you see anything? <laughs> for, no, but for a D plus for a, an hour, <laughs> hour and ten movie, minute movie, I mean, that's horrible. Well, give me more know, pussy like, boss. Like, <laughs> like, like are, for you, this is like one of the worst documentaries you've seen in your entire life? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know if that D plus is going to I was, I, the thing is, I was really eager yeah. to watch it. I was, I mean, I, I watched it the first this day. This is like, you're, you were like me with Coming to America. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very disappointed by it. Um, okay. All right, so let's get into our f- um, to the main movie that we all saw, Cherry. I'm 23 years old, and sometimes I wonder if life was wasted on me. I take all the beautiful things to heart until I about die from it. Sometimes I feel like I've already seen everything that's going to happen. And it's a nightmare. All right, so this stars uh, Spider-Man star Tom Holland. He plays against type. <laughs> he uh, plays a desperate heroin junkie in this kind of overly stylized hmm. epic from uh, Avenger directors Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. Uh, supposedly, this is a passion project, uh, a personal movie by the Russo brothers. It's also a family affair, as their sister, Angela Russo Ostat, co-wrote the screenplay with mm-hmm. Jessica Goldberg. Uh, the, the movie is based on a semi-biographical novel by Nico Walker. And so, Cherry is a hodgepodge of different crime genres. It's also a hodgepodge of other movies. You could say better movies. <laughs> and directors. And better directors. A lot of, uh, yeah. Homages, I would say. Yeah, I would say so, too. Uh, it, it starts off as a blue-collar neighborhood delinquent drama. Think like Goodwill Hunting and his friends. <laughs> minus the genius brain. <laughs> minus the mathematical brain that uh, uh, Will Hunting had. It's all, it, it Hey, man, I, I'd say Ben Affleck's characters were geniuses compared to his character. <laughs> And then it becomes like an Iraq war movie and think uh, Jarhead and Full Metal Jacket. Three Kings. Three Kings. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Three Kings. And then it transforms again into a junky drug film in the vein of Requiem for a Dream. Oh, I was I was thinking. Dream spotting. I was, you know, you know what? That's true. Uh, but I was thinking Gus Van Sant's Drugstore Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the movie finally ends as a bank robber crime film and it's basically michael bay's pain and gain <laughs> well, wisdom ba- well i was thinking uh it's a poor man's version of uh dog day afternoon mm-hmm. no it's straight up pain and gain <laughs> <laughs> so tom holland gives a solid valiant effort but he never quite pulls off this character he plays a college dropout who joins the army and becomes a medic at serving in iraq he eventually returns home with severe issues psychological issues 
Uh, while suffering from PTSD, he self-medicates himself with booze and drugs. First, it's Oxycontin, and then he graduates to heroin. And ultimately, he is forced to rob banks to fund his kind of opiate addiction. The movie is bleak, though it's you know it has dark comedic beats throughout the whole story. Obviously, the Russell, the the Russell brothers, they have a comedy background, so that makes sense that this would have some satirical elements. It's a drug-fueled odyssey of this young man's life. And look, no fault of Tom Holland's performance, but I don't think we, the audience, never get to, I don't think we ever get to, get to learn about who this character really is, other than he is a schmuck with some really bad luck. And uh, look, there are movies who are, that are complete failures, <laughs> and there are movies that are just misfires. And I think this is something in between. This is a kind of a well-made, exquisitely made dumpster fire. And um, Raymond, what's your thoughts on Cherry? Well, yeah, I mean, we you kind of hit a lot of them. I mean, Cherry, you know, it's entertaining. I was never bored watching the movie. It's just I don't think anything in the movie worked. Um. <laughs> It, the movie, yeah, it, it mimics countless stylized dramas and does a like a great job of mimicking them, which actually makes me think that the Russo brothers would be perfect for a movie like Game Night. But um, you know, they they clearly wanted to prove something with this movie. They wanted to, I don't know, be Oscar Oscar potentials, I, I guess. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, the well the. To their credit, the movie does a great job of mimicking a bunch of other, uh, you know, dramas and stuff. It, it it has all the flares and all the all the whistles, but it's so empty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the yeah. the movie is just like it's 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 the classic case of all style, no substance. Oh no, yes, it, yes. It, it tries to be five different movies and fails at all of them. It's very pretentious and self indulgent. Um, well, you thought of Tom, Tom, yeah, Tom Holland's completely miscast. Oh, it's not a okay. bad performance from Tom Holland. It's just, I never bought him as the character and you can always tell that it was just Tom Holland acting, but there are a, occasional moments throughout the entire film where Tom Holland is excellent. Yeah. Like really, really excellent. Yeah. Yeah. But there are also a few moments where he's kind of embarrassing himself <laughs> <laughs> and like just like his, the scene, the scenes when he's going through PTSD. I mean, like, oh my god! <laughs> you, you know who well, would have been absolutely perfect in uh, in Tom Holland's role, and I, and I'm, I I don't understand why he he isn't in the movie. He should he should be at least one of the friends. He should be at least be playing one of the friends. But Caleb Landry Jones oh. would have been perfect for Tom Holland's role. He's played drug addicts many times before. <laughs> he just recently did a war film, you know, with uh, uh, Scott Eastwood. And uh, yeah, I mean, he would have been, he would have been perfect. And heaven knows what the Safdie brothers movie where he, he plays a junkie. He's so good in that movie. And I could see him doing, bringing that performance into here and just absolutely nailing it. But Tom Holland, I mean, it's like a pretty boy. <laughs> and I, just, I, I never saw him. I just saw a little kid acting like yeah. a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> but there are moments. There yeah. are moments where it worked. But, you know, be, be, before I want to bring up something really quick, because I know we're, we're kind of being uh, harsh on the Russo brothers a little bit. But 
I think the script for this movie is even worse. Yeah. 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 I think this is one of the worst scripts like I've I've come across in a very, very yeah. long time. Like this is horrendous dialogue, which makes the pointless narration so much worse. Yeah. The dialogue, man, just from the very first words Tom Holland's character speak, I already hated him. <laughs> <laughs> I hated Tom Holland's character every time he spoke. But I, I don't know. What were you gonna say, Mike? I was gonna say that, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that Tom Holland gave 110%. I mean, he just really yeah. gives it all. But I think, yes. yeah, I was just going to say that I think with a better screenplay, this could have been a career redefining performance for him. The screenplay is god awful. <laughs> and the direction, this direction that the Russo brothers, this excessive hyper stylized direction didn't do, it, didn't do any favors for the screenplay. I mean, it, it's, it's a, as it stands, it's a very good try from Holland. And but you know don't quit those Marvel movies just yet <laughs> you know no it, but he's a great actor I mean remember yeah. him in The Impossible yeah like yeah, he mm-hmm. did that movie like how many years ago he was outstanding in The Impossible I know under the right circumstances a role like that he a role like this he could probably pull off mm-hmm. but I don't know man well I, I, just, say th- I say this if any if anything Holland saves this picture from being a colossal flop or a worthless worthless movie. And, I agree. Uh, um, look, I didn't realize that the Russo brothers spent like pr- practically the last decade working for Marvel. I mean, they made four Marvel movies. Some of them are yeah. the most beloved MC movies ever. But yeah. it feels like they kind of lost their cinematic identity. And I think they're co- after coming from working with Marvel, they, I think they really thought, you know, like, what is my distinct directing style? What is my, you know, cine, uh, cinematic voice? And so it seems that they use this opportunity to rediscover that. So this movie is filled with every directing style, every camera technique imaginable. And I was overwhelmed, you know, at times overpowered by these film school flourishes that never seem to work. I mean, there's a lot of slow motion shots. Well, they mimic them. They mimic <laughs> them really well. They mimic yeah. these things really well. It's like, it's it's a well made movie in ways. It's just it's only well made on a surface level. Like once you look past it, it's it's kind of like a Zack Snyder. Movie. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a lot of slow motion shots. I mean, yeah. a lot of them. And yeah, like Snyder, uh, Zack Snyder would say, "Hey, man, calm down with these slow motion shots." <laughs> you know, I know he would. He would. <laughs> and I, you know, actually, yeah, I think Zack Snyder would have probably made this a better movie. At moments, I think he would have done a better job with it. <laughs> at moments, I was laughing at how brazen and how shameless the Russos were with their directing choices. Yeah. And I'm talking about mainly yeah. I'm talking about the rectum or a POV <laughs> shot, I, which is, I don't know why that exists or why that even, I saw that that was very creepy to me, huh. but also, I also can't deny how exhilarating the Iraq war scenes were. I thought the, the whole yeah, thing, felt like three Kings. Yeah. The whole Iraq thing did was really good. So uh, possibly if they could trim like maybe 45 minutes off this movie, because it's a, like a two hour and 20 minute movie. It's the longest movie. Maybe it could have worked or at least made it better. Yeah. But as it is, it's a very bloated. It's very indulgent. It's derivative. A lot of films, better films that would have, that do way better with similar subject matter. I just hope it's like. It's derivative of films that are derivative of other films. <laughs> 
just no, hope, I'm like, like I'm, I know that sounds like a, like a, like just a, something I'm saying to be facetious, but it's it's true. Like this yeah. has more in common with like the movies that try to be like uh, that try to be like uh, like Doug Lyman's go. This is oh, this yeah. has more in common with Spun. You know what I mean? Then oh. it Doug's Doug Lyman's go, mm. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Spun was trying to be go, right? I I, I never saw Spun, but uh, uh, okay, yeah. Well, this this looks very much like this, except Spun kind of works more because it knows what it is. <laughs> well, I just hope the Russell brothers, the Ru the Russell brothers, found what they were looking for, found their voice, and now they could get back to making good movies again. Uh, Rich, you just saw this movie like a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. I want to hear you what you have to say. I mean. What is your well, first reaction to this? I didn't hate it as much as you guys did, but oh. I, I definitely see flaws in it. Mm -hmm. That's for damn sure. Yeah, the performances-wise, uh, Tom Holland did do a good job, and uh, but the uh, standout performance was from Sierra Bravo, mm. who uh, played his uh, wife, Emily. And I remember her from uh, the, uh, the YouTube series uh, um, Wayne. 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 Which was she was fantastic, and also I think she this is a star making performance for her. No, if, this, I, if this movie was good, <laughs> I disagree. But, I disagree. Um, I think she's good in the movie. I think it's just a horrible character. I mean, written character. Oh, yeah. it's surprisingly this is written by two women, and the the worst character, or at least the, the underdeveloped character, was this character. This this uh, the, the character lead. Yeah, so well, I'm but, just seeing she she caught my eye uh, perfectly, and with and Wayne, I thought with with no, I mean, I mean, this perfect, much more uh, believable um, than. Uh, Did you sympathize with her character? Uh, at first, yeah, me no, too. At that, first, no. it's after that train scene, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> um, but uh, but I, I would say I would say. Watch Wayne, which is a yeah. better performance from her, and I yeah. think Wayne. It's it, it now it, it started. It's a series that that began in in YouTube, uh, but now it's available on Amazon Prime. Watch if you liked her performance in this. Watch Wayne on Amazon Prime. It's a great performance in there. I think she does a better job. I think this that that series does a way better than you know to capture that blue collar neighborhood uh, feel, gritty mm -hmm. feel. Yeah, definitely. Than, than this movie does. I mean, um, but yeah, go ahead and finish what you were saying, Rich. No, yeah, I mean, and I, I agree with both of you that uh, Tom Holland was, did a great performance, but it was, you know, the screen miscast. Oh, okay. Miscast. And I think Jack Rayner would even be better in, in his role. Mm. And I never heard, did I even hear anyone call him Cherry? Jack Rayner was the only performance I liked. Mm hmm. Did I hear anybody call him Cherry at all in the, during the film? I don't. I don't know if it's. They I don't mentioned know. it one time. Yeah, uh, in the in war, in the war scene. Yeah, because I don't know. It was really odd that every time you see his name tag or something like that, they they say something different or something. Mm. Uh, um, they didn't bother with names in this whole entire movie, <laughs> uh, and um, it, it was it's very odd choice. They wanted to make it some kind of you know David Lynchian kind of thing or something and. But uh, the cinematography-wise, this is uh, Newton Thomas Sigel, who usually works with Brian Singer. Uh, uh, but this is their, his first time working with the Russos. And I, I liked his cinematography. Yeah. But um, it's it, this I, this all goes the blame to the Russos, and I don't know who was directing because it seems like one guy took one direction, and when the other when the other guy took the other direction, he took it a whole different time. Yeah, you know? it was a, so many yeah. styles. Yeah, in, in it, 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 yeah, and. When I start start 
first watching the film, I got a uh, like a feel of like a, um, a born on the Fourth of July, and yeah. uh, and I, and I go, I can get into this, you know, I, I, I like this, and then all of a sudden it goes to, uh, of course, it goes to um, Goodfellas, yeah, the Goodfellas, and also uh, during the war scenes, it goes to. Um, um, Oh, well, it's Jamie Foxx. Uh, Jarhead, yeah. Jarhead, yeah. And um, I, I really wish it was more like uh, the whole, you know, the the drug sequences on films. I, I really wish it was more like Blow. Yeah, yeah. And, this mean, feels like a... It wants to be Blow. It wants to be a Scorsese movie. It wants to be so many different things. Like, Tid Dem, Demi obviously was influenced by uh, Martin Scorsese. Influenced by all those gangster movies of the 70s. Russo Brothers seems like they are also influenced by these same films, but Ted Demi just does it way better than, yeah. than Russo, the Russo Brothers in this one. I mean, just Ted Demi just, I think he understands when to use slow motion, when to use these type of camera camera moves. I mean, I just, yeah, like you were saying, I wish this was a much better film. I wish it was a, like a blow, but um yeah, so, yeah, I saw Oliver Stone all over it and I saw yeah. Brian De Palma all over it and, um, even in the um, even one scene with the Damon Wayans Jr. as a boot in the boot camp scene, it went all of a sudden the the screen went to four three yeah for no reason whatsoever. Well, I think it, it's tra- I, I thought I thought they were gonna go you know extra wide at the at the and they, it, it did have one on one scene it went extra wide for no reason whatsoever. Also, uh, I don't know why they just didn't just stick to the two three five you know version that and that was it i mean yeah it, 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 that was i guess that maybe that was a full metal jacket thing because the full metal jacket yeah. is four three but i mean um i, I want to because you mentioned the cinematographer uh newton thomas sequel yeah he did um three three kings also oh really okay uh he also did uh the, the five bloods yeah recently yeah uh, yeah i think his work in this film is very good i just because of so many styles you might not recognize what he's doing, you know, but mm-hmm. he is actually a, a really great cinematographer. And um, yeah, but Raymond, you wanted to say something? Uh, yeah. Um, shitty banks, banks, fuck America. I mean, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Explain that to me, please. Yeah. That's exactly what the, the, the name tags. I mean, uh, if you saw their name tags on their, on their uniforms and stuff like that, that, it, these are was, ins- it, I guess these are inside jokes that supposed they didn't to want <laughs> they didn't want to associate you know names or <laughs> names of banks either. Well, I guess it's like they were trying to say. Well, first off, they're it's supposed to be some kind of anti-war movie, right? I mean, uh, well, I, I, that's one of the things it's trying to be. It's trying I, to be so many different things. I think they're all just also trying to be an anti-bank movie, like or, like <laughs> banks <laughs> or, 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 or not, well, not, not like. I don't think the Russo brothers understand how banks work. <laughs> I don't think the Russo brothers understand how drugs work. Like <laughs> characters would like inject heroin and then like go to work. Like you notice that, right? Like yeah, these are they made some weird directing choices in this movie. But uh, I want to ask you guys: did did you guys think any like, or did you guys think the the leads were likable at all? I think Tom Holland's character is. Just because Tom really? Holland, I think Tom Holland is mm. just a likable guy, and I think because I feel I feel that's the only reason that the Russo brothers kind of put Tom Holland in this role because they're like, well, people love Tom Holland; he's Spider Man, so we don't have to make the character likable. People will just like him automatically because it's Tom Holland. Yeah, 
And it, it kind and of works I, because he is kind I of. I did it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is, you know, he has like this kind of, uh, I don't know, he has like this uh, sweetness to him that uh, even when he is robbing banks. I wanted he, them I wanted them both to die after a <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't have that feeling. But, you know, let me say this. Um, the music. The music is horrible. I want I want to say that the needle drops in the movie are unoriginal. They make oh, no so s- the music itself, not the score, not the score. I'm talking about the music. Those sort oh, okay. of the, the needle drops in the movie. Okay. They're unoriginal. They make no sense. There's a lot of '70s music. Rich, mm. what, what, what? When does this movie take place? Yeah, it's supposed to be the I- Iraq War, so it's supposed to be like a 2000, uh, early 2000s or something. Yeah. I have no clue why it's a bunch of Van Morrison. <laughs> why there's a lot of '70s music. Well, that's why, why I got how I got born Fourth of July feel on the right away. <laughs> Let's grade this movie. <laughs> no, wait before before oh, you before we talk grade about? it before we grade it. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about it a little bit. One one, one quick little thing because again, for me, the characters in this movie were extremely unlikable, and for me. They weren't sympathetic. I didn't really... Symp- well, I did sympathize with them in, a little bit early on, especially uh, Cynthia Bravo's character. But after a certain point, I kind of just really wanted them to die. <laughs> and the, the the thing that I found so fascinating about this is I really love these type of kind of drug dramas. I've sympathized with characters that are much worse, arguably much worse than these two characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a huge fan of Requiem for a Dream. Darren Aronofsky is one of my favorite movies. I love Patty Jenkins' Monster. And I think you could definitely make the argument that the characters in those films are much more unlikable than the characters in this movie. But I don't know. The way those movies are directed, they, they really manage to make you kind of sympathize and almost care for the characters. Something that the Russo brothers completely fail at at this movie. And this is the type of movie where you can forgive a lot if they make you care for the characters. And the Russos did not do their one job. They were too focused on style. Yeah. I agree. Uh, let's uh, grade it. I'll start by saying, uh, because of Newton Thomas Siegel, the, the cinematographer, his work, and Tom Holland, I'm going to give this two stars out of five a D plus for me. Rich, what's your grade? Yeah, I'm right there. Also, I'm I'm I, I was I was thinking to see see minus, but no, I'll give you a D plus. Yeah, I can't. Uh, and also, I do like the Iraq yeah. War sequence. Yeah, there's some really good stuff there, and I think Tom Holland's actually his best in in that scene in those sequences. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with you both of you. I really wish it was better. I mean, I know the Russo brothers, <laughs> they're better than this, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I don't know what happened. I really don't. I mean, but. Maybe they got high on themselves in hell. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, Raymond, what's your grade? D plus. Oh, yeah. Okay. We all agree. We're on D yeah. plus then. All right. So that was our review of Cherry. If you have a, a subscription on Apple TV, you can watch it right now with Apple TV plus. All right. That's it. That's the end of this episode of Inside Flicks. Is that coming, coming from outside shit? That's me driving away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, Rich, if people want to hear our past episodes, where where can they find our past episodes? Uh, you can find us on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes or, uh, you know, find all our links on InsideFlix.com. InsideFlix.com, that's a, a great website. 
<laughs> All right.、Uh, we'll be back with a new episode very soon. We have to do our Oscar、uh, predictions probably and then probably do a.、Uh, A best of top of tens, five, top worst. <laughs> and、uh, we're, all, we're also gonna, probably going to review、uh, the new Zack Snyder Justice League four hour cut.、Uh, that will be coming up soon. Thank you for listening to Insight Flicks. All right, bye bye. <laughs>